welcome to the Holy Roman Empire's History Podcast. I will be your host, KSK, and today we're going to talk about the Treaty of Verdun and the subsequent events leading to the Ottonian dynasty. Let's start with the Let's start with the death of Charlemagne. When Charlemagne died, Louis the Pious was not able to hold the land of his father. This culminated into an intestine war between the Carolingian princes, three of them. The Treaty of Verdun was signed on August 843. The treaty partitioned the Carolingian Empire among the three surviving sons of the Emperor Louis I, Louis the Pious. The treaty was the first stage in the dissolution of the Empire of Charlemagne and foreshadowed the formation of the modern countries of Western Europe. Louis I had carefully planned his three elder sons' inheritance, but from 829 onwards, his attempts to allocate substantial territory to the future Charles II, the bald, his young son by a second wife, led to the revolts by Charles' half-brothers. After Louis's death in 840, open warfare broke out. Louis's third son, Louis the German, allied with Charles in attacking the eldest son, the Emperor Lothar I. He was defeated at Fontenoy uh, in present Belgium in 841 and driven from Aix-la-Chapelle, Aachen, um, today's Germany, in 842. Lothar sued for peace at Verdun in present uh, northeastern France the following year. Lothar was confirmed in possession of the imperial title and received Francia Media. Uh, it's a weird stretch of land. It's a long central strip of territory including parts of modern Belgium, the Netherlands, Western Germany, Eastern France, Switzerland and much of Italy, Northern Italy. Uh, Louis the German received Francia Orientalis, uh, the land, everything that's east of the Rhine and Charles received uh, Francia Occidentalis, the remainder of uh, modern France. Now we jump some years ahead. Charles the Bald uh, was suffering from what was believed to be epilepsy, and he could not secure the kingdom against the Viking uh, raiders, and after buying their withdrawal from Paris in 886, he was perceived by the court as being cowardly and incompetent. Uh, the following year, his nephew Arnulf of Carinthia, the illegitimate son of King Carloman of Bavaria, raised the standard of rebellion. Instead of fighting the insurrection, Charles fled uh, to Neidingen and died the following year in 888, leaving a divided entity and a succession mess. So, in retrospect, after the death of Charlemagne, his son inherited the throne, and his son divided the land but the three brothers were not happy with that, and they waged a war against one of the sons. And uh, the land was divided in three. After a while, Charles the Bald succeeded in reuniting all of this, but was incompetent at dealing with the Vikings, and also was epileptic, and, and essentially was thrown out. Now, at this point, we can almost say that the Empire is nominally dead, but... Someone appears. Charles the Fat reunites the empire. The united empire would not last. During a coup led by his nephew Arnulf of Carinthia in November 887, Charles was deposed in East Francia, Lotharingia, and Kingdom of Italy. 
forced into quiet retirement, he died of natural cause in January 888, just a few weeks after his deposition. And the empire quickly fell apart after his death, splintering into five separate successor kingdoms. The, ter the territory it had occupied would not be entirely reunited under one ruler until the conquest by Napoleon. What we should keep in mind in those events is after the death of Charlemagne he had a successor and his successor divided the land in a way that was not possible for the institutions to continue to function and there were no uh, men capable enough to hold that big of an empire so the intestine warfare broke out. After a while, some 40 years, the empire was reunited again by um, Charles the Fat. Um, but Charles the Fat was not able to hold it and it exploded in some six or seven entities. Of those six or seven entities, we are going to really start to talk about the fundamental political idea of the Holy Roman Empire. I would like to remind that up until today, we essentially spoke of a Holy Roman Empire that was nominal. Uh, in the sense, what I mean is that it had no territory. It was a, a title that the Pope would give, and that title would have power under the legitimacy of the papacy, and would also mean that the holder is the protector of Christendom. But... Now, the new Holy Roman Empire that the Ottonian dynasty is about to create, not about to create, but reform, let's say reform, is a territory that exists, and not only nominal, but the emperor has now new powers that he would not have beforehand. And it is based on everything that is east of the Rhine, that's the powerhouse, and it will encompass many territories west of the Rhine and even in France for a certain time. Let us now jump on the Ottonian dynasty. I will cover the Ottonian dynasty and the Salian dynasty. We will also look at the Concordat of Worms, which is a very important event of the Holy Roman Empire. That event uh, predecessed the Treaty of Westphalia. So let's start with the first of the Ottonian dynasty. His name is Henry I. Although he was never emperor, Henry the Fowler was arguably the founder of the imperial dynasty, uh, known as the Ottonians. While East Francia, under the rule of the last Carolingian kings, was ravaged by the Hungarian invasions, he rose to primus inter pares among the German dukes, elected Rex Francorum in May 19, 919. 
Henry abandoned the claim to dominate the whole disintegrated Carolingian Empire, and unlike his predecessor, Conrad I, he succeeded in gaining the support of the Franconians, Bavarians, Swabians, and Lotharingian dukes. In 933, he led a German army to victory over the Hungarian forces at the Battle of Riyadh and campaigned both the land of the Polabian Slavs and the Duchy of Bohemia. By succession re regulations, he transferred the power to his son, uh, uh, Otto I, who was his second son, who um, acceded to an undivided heritage. Now that's new. That's some great news for the Holy Roman Empire and some stability. Um, the, he, he, although was never Holy Roman Emperor, but he was the founder essentially of the Ottonian dynasty. Now let's jump to our favorite, uh, Otto, Otto I. Otto I was a Duke of Saxony. Upon the death of his father in uh, 936, uh, he was elected king with a, within a few weeks. Uh, he continued the work uh, of unifying the German tribes into a single kingdom. Uh, he really expanded the power of the king at the expense of the aristocracy, though, which is usually a bad thing for those times, but it's a great thing to uh, for, uh, in the idea of forming a, a stable nation. Uh, through strategic marriages and personal appointments, he installed members of his own family uh, into the kingdom's most important duchies. Um, this, however, did not prevent his relatives from entering into uh, a civil war. Both Otto's brother, Duke uh, Henry of Bavaria, and his son, uh, Duke uh, Luidolf of Swabia, revolted against his, uh, his rule. Otto was able to suppress the uprising. In consequence, the various dukes who had previously been co-equals uh, with the king were reduced into royal subjects under the king's authority. His decisive victory over the Magyars at the Battle of Lechfeld in 955 ended the Hungarian invasions of Europe and secured his hold over his kingdom. Um, that's even greater news. Now he had a stable kingdom, he had vassals. What's greater again is that the defeat of the pagan Magyars earned uh, King Otto the reputation as um, the savior of Christendom and uh, he got called uh, the Great. He transformed the church uh, in Germany, and now that's a big, big point, um, into a kind of uh, proprietary church and major royal power base to which he donated charity and for the creation of which his family was responsible. By 961, Hotto had conquered uh, the Kingdom of Italy. Uh, now, that's bad news, actually which was a really troublesome inheritance that nobody really wanted. And he extended his kingdom's borders to, uh, to the north, east and south. In control of much of central and southern Europe, the patronage of Otto and his immediate successor caused a limited cultural renaissance um, of arts and architecture. He uh, com confirmed the 754th donation of Pippin and uh, with recourse to the concept of uh, transitio in peri, uh, in succession of Charlemagne, he proceeded to go to Rome and get crowned by uh, Pope John XI to become the Holy Roman Emperor. 
in 962. He uh, actually reached a settlement with the Byzantine emperor John I Tsimiskes by marrying his son and heir Otto II to, uh, to the emperor's niece, Theophanu. In uh, 968, he established the archbishopric of Magdeburg and uh, at the same time, it's his uh, residence. Now, um, just a flashback, the donation of Pepin is uh, a territory that um, is held by the Pope and uh, it's independent from uh, the Holy Roman Empire, the, uh, the Kingdom of Italy or any other sovereign state. So the, that donation uh, pleased the Pope very much. Now, Otto II... Otto II was co-ruler with his father since 961 and uh, he was crowned emperor in 967. Um, he ascended to the throne at the age of 18 by excluding the Bavarian line of Ottonians from the line of succession. Now that's a smart move. He strengthened the imperial authority and secured his own son's succession in the imperial throne. Um, the Ottonians were very, very smart rulers. He uh, attempted to annex the whole of Italy into the empire, but that brought him into conflict with the Byzantine Emperor and with the Saracens also, and also with the Fatimid Caliphate. So his campaign against the Saracens ended in 982 with a disastrous defeat at the Battle of Stilo in uh, southern uh, Italy. Moreover, in 983, Otto II experienced a, a, a great Slav rising against his rule to the east. Otto II died in 963. Otto II died in 983 at the age of 28 only after a 10-year uh, reign. Um, he succeeded by his three years old son uh, Otto III as king. His sudden death plunged the Antonian dynasty into a crisis. During her regency for Otto III, the Byzantine princess Theophanu abandoned her late husband's imperialistic policy and really devoted herself entirely to furthering her own agenda in Italy, which was uh, probably to the gains of the Byzantine Empire. Now, let's jump to Otto III, who is three years old. When he came of age, um, he concentrated on securing the rule in the Italian domains, installing his confidant um, Bruno of Carinthia and uh, Gerbert of Orillac as popes. In uh, 1000, he made a pilgrimage to the Congress of Gniezno in Poland, establishing the Archdiocese of Gniezno and confirming the royal status of the Piast ruler Boleslav I the Brave. Now Christianity was taking a great hold in the East. He was expelled from Rome in 1001 and he died at the age of 21 the next year without uh, the opportunity to reconquer the city. Now Henry II. The childless Otto III was succeeded by Henry II, a son of Duke Henry II of Bavaria and his wife Gisela of Burgundy thereby a member of the Bavarian line of the Ottonians, Duke of Bavaria since 995. He was crowned king on 7 June 1002. 
Henry II spent the first year of his rule consolidating his political power on the borders of the German kingdom. He worked several campaigns against Boleslav I of Poland and then moved successfully to Italy where he was crowned emperor by the Pope Benedictus VII, February 14, 1014. He reinforced his rule by endowing and founding numerous dioceses, such as the Bishopric uh, of Bamberg in uh, 1007, intertwining the secular and ecclesiastical authority over the empire. Henry II was canonized by Pope Eugene III in uh, 1146 because of his... Um, great piety towards the church and his work um, towards uh, Christianity, making churches, giving more power to uh, the ecclesiarchy, so on and so forth. Um, as his marriage with uh, Queen Gunde of Luxembourg remained childless, the Ottonian dynasty became extinct with the death of Henry II in 1024. The crown passed to Conrad II of the Salian dynasty, great-grandson of Ludgard, a daughter of Otto I, and the Salian duke Conrad the Red of Lorraine. When King Rudolf III of Burgundy died without heirs on the 2nd February 1032, Conrad II successfully claimed also this kingship on the basis of an inheritance Emperor Harry II, had extorted from the former in 1006, having invaded Burgundy to enforce his claim after Rudolf attempted to renounce it in, renounce it in 1016. Um, the Ottonians were centralizing a centralizing dynasty in uh, the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, three of them were uh, declared emperors, um, they waged merry wars. They were mostly successful, except for uh, the uh, incredible defeat in the south of Italy. Um, the Pope was mostly positive of them. Even one of those members was uh, canonized. So, all in all, it's a very strong dynasty of the Empire, and they consolidated... Um, much of the empire one of my favorite dynasties because of their um, well short reign certainly but with such a few members they accomplished very much including the uh, level of absolutism in those days at a certain point uh, Otto the second Otto the first sorry had no equals but subjects in the kingdom of Germany, essentially. So that's a, a very great feat. Let us now jump on the Salian dynasty. Now, there is very much to say about them, but I'm going to uh, essentially talk about um, the invest investiture controversy and the Concordat of Worms. So, the early Salians uh, owed much of their success to their alliance, alliance with the church, the same policy that was begun by Otto I, which gave them the material support they needed to subdue uh, various rebellious dukes. In time, however, the church came to regret this close relationship. 
The alliance broke down in 1075 during what came to be known as the inf Investiture Controversy or Investiture Dispute or the Investiture Dispute. A struggle in which the reformist Pope Gregory VI A struggle in which the reformist Pope Gregory VII demanded the Emperor Henry IV renounce his rights over the Church in Germany. The Pope also attacked the concept of monarchy by divine right and gained the support of significant elements of the German nobility. Uh, of course, they didn't want to answer so much to uh, the Emperor nor the King. They were really interested in limiting imperial absolutism. Uh, more reported, the Pope forbade ecclesiastical officials under pain of excommunication in support of Henry, as they had so freely done in the past. In the end, Henry IV journeyed to Canossa in northern Italy in uh, 1077 to do penance and to receive absolutism from the Pope. However, he resumed his practices of lay investiture, which is the appointment of religious officials by civil authorities, and arranged the election of an antipope, Antipope Clement III, in 1080. The monarch's struggle with the papacy resulted in a war that ravaged through the Holy Roman Empire from 1077 until the Concordat of Worms in 1122. The reign of the last ruler of the Salian dynasty, Henry V, coincided with the final phase of the Great Investiture Controversy, which had pitted, pitted Pope against Emperor by the settlement of the Concordat of Worms. Henry V surrendered uh, to the demands of the second generation of Gregorian reformers, this agreement stipulated that the Pope would appoint high church official but gave the German king the right to veto the papal choice. Imperial control of Italy was lost for a time and the imperial crown became dependent on the political support of competing aristocratic faction. Feudalism also became more widespread as uh, freemen sought protection by swearing allegiance to a lord. These powerful local rulers having thereby acquired extensive territories and large amount of retinues, took over administration within the territories and organized it around an increasing number of castles. The most powerful of these local rulers came to be called princes rather than dukes. According to the laws of the feudal system of the Holy Roman Empire, the king had no claims on the vassals of other princes, only on those living within his family's territory. Lacking the support of the formerly independent vassals and weakened by the increasing hostility of the church, the monarchy lost its preeminence. Thus, the investiture controversy contests strengthened local power in the Holy Roman Empire in contrast to the trend in France and England where centralized royal power was growing more and more. The investiture contest had an additional effect though. The long struggle between the Empire and the Pope hurt the Holy Empire's intellectual life. In this period, largely um, confined to monasteries, and the Empire no longer led or even kept uh, pace with development occurring in France and nor in Italy. For instance, no university was founded in the Holy Roman Empire until the 14th century. And that's how we'll end with the Salian emperors and dukes and kings. Now, they were not bad 
far from that. They were simply continuing um, what Otonians were doing, although they ironically made a deal with the devil while aligning themselves too much with the church and wanting more power. Basically, what it meant, the uh, investiture controversy, is that um, the emperors of the Holy Roman Empire wanted to nominate the bishops, uh, the archbishops, and every member of the clergy. The Pope was, of course, extremely against that idea uh, for many reasons, one of which is that those same people would eventually become cardinals, and maybe one day um, the emperors could even nominate the popes, and the secular power would rule over the ecclesiastical power. Now, ironically, that's exactly what happened. The Salians uh, nominated their own pope called the anti-pope. And the, that, the struggle uh, for power uh, lasted for a long time. Now, the Concordat of Worms essentially established a situation where both parties were at loss. Now, the pope could basically invest the bigger players in the ecclesiarchy, now bishops, archbishops, uh, so, so long, and the emperor could invest the lower uh, members of the ecclesiarchy. But the emperor had the right of veto on who the pope would choose. But at the end of the day, the pope would still choose who was in charge. And the investiture was no longer a free investiture, but a papal investiture. Now, in more details concerning the Concordat of Worms. The compromise was arranged in 1122 between the Pope Calixtus II and the Holy Roman Emperor Henry V, settling the investiture controversy. A struggle between the Empire and the Papacy over the control of the Church offices. It had arisen between Emperor Henry IV and Pope Gregory VII. The Concordat marked the end of the first phase of the conflict between the two parties. A similar conflict was brewing uh, between the papacy and the King of England, uh, being composed in uh, 1107. The settlement provided the basis of the Concordat of Worms, which made a clear distinction between the spiritual side of the uh, prelate's office and his position as a landed magnates and vassals of the crown. Bishops and abbots were to be chosen by the clergy, but the emperor was authorized to decide contested elections. The man chosen was the first to be invested with the regalia, or power, privilege, and land, pertaining to his office as vassal, for which he did homage to the emperor, and then with the spirituala, or ecclesiastical powers and lands, symbolized by the staff and the ring, which he acquired by his consecration and from his ecclesiastical superior who represented the authority of the church. Now, what does that mean? That means that the emperor had weapons and could f essentially, through force, decide who would be the next bishop or abbot. But they would not be legitimate before obtaining a consecration from the higher-ups, uh, his ecclesi ecclesiastical superiors, who gave them the ring and the staff symbolizing their alliance to the church in Rome. Now to wrap up this episode, 
this these were the early dynasties of the Holy Roman Empire and um, what can we what can we say about them? Well, they tried. They certainly tried. Where um, up to the Ottonians, the French and the English court was essentially completely shattered without any form of control. And the Ottonians were really, really uh, strong on uniting the, the empire and making it a state, uh, almost a state, a functional state. But um, the Salians uh, destroyed everything that that the Ottonians did, although some form of um, alliance was made between the church and the secular powers, which neither of them were really happy about. So we're back to square one, basically. And for the next episode, I think that we're going to jump straight to the Habsburgs and the new way of electing uh, emperors. Um, it is the seven princes who elect the emperors. I will talk about that the next episode. I have been your host, KSK, and thank you for listening to the Holy Roman Empire's History Podcast.